There's a drive in Kelly for like serious self-worth. Get curious about sex. I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. And then meditate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monk. You're not always in control. And it was like pride, not have periods, not have emotions. I'm going to need to feel everything. I found in those shattered pieces my truth. We're just piling more shame and judgment on top of the original problem. You're sick. Your body's revolting against you. Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus. These are things that can be simmering on you that you don't know. And they're the trigger for your problem. Making the connection between your mind and your body, your emotional needs. That is how we heal. You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. You know when you meet people and you're immediately like, I need to be around you and I need to learn from you. Will you please adopt me as your child? (laughs) That's basically what I did with Jackie Carr. She is so cool. Such a cool mom. She's the cool mom I want to be that I aspire to be. Such a rad wife. She has a great life. She's seen and done so much. And she's grounded and honest as shit. And I was just, oh, I was mesmerized by her. as She sat across from me and we had this conversation. I met her through Connor And she was on his show, which by the way, if you have not listened to, please go to The Realness and listen to Jackie on that show. A lot of what we talk about, I kind of pulled from that and then wanted to expand on things that really hit me. They got me good. I listened to that show twice. I was like, oh man, she's really special. She is such an incredible mom and wife, an example of having it all, but not having the perfect route to get there and leaning into the unknown and not sure how she would get to where she is now, but allowing it to happen. She is a coach and a speaker. She created the Goals Hike, which is so incredible. And she's the co-founder of Rock Your Bliss. And she's really just honest. She just shows up honest and genuine in the world and really wants the best for everyone and to get rid of the noise and the bullshit. And in this episode, we talk about all the versions of herself that she's gone through and creating space, finding connection, values, aggressive about being feminine. This was a really cool conversation and how she rewrote her vows with her husband. And it's this evolution of love. And we, we get into this idea that your kids reflect back when you're not showing up, they're perfect mirrors. And what is attachment versus what is commitment? And when she says, who's up in my sacred space, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to use that. It was so good. There is so much goodness here about knowing what to ask for, failing yourself, the idea of failure as a whole, wanting to fix yourself constantly and processing differently than your partner. I am so inspired by the way she goes about her life, what she has created. And I really, really just look up to her as someone who stands as a mentor and an incredible just gift and example of what is possible. So before we get into this episode with Jackie, I want to, since we were just talking about the realness, our incredible friend, Emily Schramm was just on Connor's show and she just had a book come out, which we absolutely love. It's called The Process and she and Connor talk a lot about her process and everything that has changed in her life, the ups and the downs, 
how she manages and processes her own emotions and what it's like for her to be bisexual and to allow herself to have experiences. This conversation is so beautiful. So if you guys haven't heard Emily Schramm on The Realness, make sure you head over there. The link is in the show notes. And don't forget, I started a podcast network. It's called Soulfire Productions. If you have a podcast or know anyone who does or wants to start one and needs support, we will handle everything for you from production to marketing to artwork to connecting with incredible guests, a mastermind for all of our hosts with transparent information about what actually goes into podcasting. When we want to help you grow, we want you to have a big platform to share your incredible voice. So if you have a question about that, make sure you just hit me up and let me know and we can connect on Soulfire. All right, let's get to this amazing show with Jackie Carr. So I think that something that really stood out to me in your conversation with Connor was this idea of turning off the work version of yourself and knowing how fast you go, how hard you go. You're constantly move, move, move and have that personality as do I, it is very hard for me to turn that off. So how have you learned to sort of separate yourself and separate, you know, the JackieCar.com as you call it, and just the wife and the mom and the person who gets to chill? It's still an effort to separate. I love what I do and I love Instagram. I love my website. Like when you love what you do, it's really easy to stay in that vein. And yet your children will reflect back how you're showing up. And I am so acutely aware when I'm not there. Like I can be there physically, but I'm not there energetically. Mm. And they'll lash out, they'll, they'll react. And so that's a huge indicator. And then that creates a why. That's why it's important. And so as I started to ask myself, like, how can I show up better as a mother, as a wife, as a friend. Holy shit. I've been a terrible friend the last four years. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Okay. Um, I found that the values conversation can be split. My values and how I show up at work are different than my values and how I show up at home. And I like that, you know, I live in the trees and I don't have a lot of people I know out in Evergreen. I have great people I know. If any of them are saying I love you. And I don't have a lot of, I don't see anyone I know at the grocery store, mm. which is like really weird for me. And what I love about that though, is it's like my, my sanctuary. And I know I, even when I moved there, I was like, oh, I'll take my time to build community. I got pregnant right away with our second child when we moved and I went into the cocoon. I I cocoon an introvert for once in my life when I'm pregnant. Mm. And then I had our second child and I don't really know a lot of people and it's nice. And it's almost provided me space to ask, what do I want to be doing? How do I want to be showing up? And so while one of my values for work is community, oh, I love my people. My value for home for personal is connection. One of my values for work is uniqueness and growth. And a lot of that has to do with other people, professional and personal development. And yet in my personal world is imagination. In my personal world is nature. And so it started to guide my choices. What do I want to be doing with my children? 
Um, this week, my first daughter and I wrote a book about a dad that farts rainbows. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And we drew it. So we, we shared yeah, it did. and then we drew it and you got, I'll send you a picture. Oh it's my God. quite ridiculous what she did to Chris and I'll, I'll show you, share with you. But that was like, I even like saw myself doing that this week and I was like, I like this version of me. Mm. We got into a movie zone, which no shame in the Disney game. I got Disney plus. I get it. Yes. And I was, we were so tired for so long. Our second child didn't sleep at all. And so Disney became like a household, like Disney moved in. Walt was like there with us every night <laughs> and we've made some changes and we don't watch TV during the week right now. It's a, it's an experiment before all you parents are clapping for me. We're like three days in. Yeah. But again, I've written a book with Evie, Nora's dancing more, and it's been really cool to have those values separate so I can know when I start and finish at work and how to start at home and how I want to show up connected, present and practice, get curious. There's no guidebook to how to live, whether it's motherhood, entrepreneur life, you have to find out what the word balance means to you. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. You asked me that question. I had a call with an old friend today. She really has invested so much in both my businesses and been such a support from the start. And she was asking me my availability. And I was, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty low over here. Nine yeah. to three, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was what I was offering. And she's like, well, what about nights or a weekend? And I could feel my whole body being like, no. <laughs> and I love this woman. She was such a launch pad for me when I started my business. And I, I even like telling you this, I left that conversation feeling icky because I was meeting a new part of myself that was standing for balance, standing for my worth in time. Mm. So we often talk about, I think, worth with money, but I'm looking at now how I'm spending my time and it's pretty sacred, but I felt so uncomfortable today standing for it. These are the times I'm able, and she said, well, I just want you to know if this isn't the right time or the right opportunity. And it started to go this weird route of like, you're, in my own head, the story, I was like, I'm not being available. I'm not being flexible. I'm not. And I closed the conversation. I had to have this conversation with myself of like, that was hard and good job. Mm. And so it was so cool to explore boundaries and values and speak that so differently than I ever have before. I think that, I mean, I commend you for that because that is probably one of the hardest things, especially as a wife and a mom, when you're constantly doing things for other people. And I, I don't, I'm not a wife or a mother yet, but that's one of my biggest fears actually that comes up is like, I am a people pleaser. I have always bent for everyone. And how could I fit this in? And, oh, it's fine. Your schedule, no worries. And then all of a sudden you start creating boundaries and people are like, who the fuck are you with boundaries? <laughs> that doesn't feel good. And like you said, it's like you're meeting this new version of yourself and you're like, I don't really know how to operate like this, but I know what's best for me. That's a really scary spot to be in, but also very liberating. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, am I being bold? Am I being bitchy? Yeah. I've gotten bitchy many times in my life, but this was like a different vibe, like standing for myself and my family time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think, you know, like you said, it doesn't even matter where you are. I've, I've dealt with this my whole life. People pleasing. This person wants to go out. Well, I have to go out. I said I would, or that's what they want to do. And it is, you know, learning 
a new language. What did you believe it meant about you if you didn't please someone back in the day? Mm. I didn't think I'd be invited again. Did you have FOMO? Was that a theme for you? Oh God, yeah. FOMO was so real. I had no idea what JOMO was. (laughs) FOMO was real. And I actually would say yes to like three things in one night. That was like my demon. I'm like, let me try to fit it all in. And I never could. Yeah. I didn't know how to prioritize people, much less myself. Mm. I think that was like a ripple there. Mm -hmm. If you can't prioritize yourself, it's really hard to be able to do that with the people in your life. That's an incredible statement. How, and I say this a lot, my big thing is choosing myself. I'll always choose other people, very similar. And so I'll work with girls or talk to the girls in our community and they're like, but he won't choose me and I'm not the one. And I'm like, are you choosing yourself? Yeah. And the answer 99% of the time is no. And it's when you choose yourself, when you create boundaries for yourself, when you prioritize yourself, one, you teach other people how to do the same. And two, it's a respect issue, right? If you're respecting yourself, you're teaching other people how to respect you. That's really important. And when, when are you taught that? Yeah. I, and I, I think our parents did a great job. Teachers did a great job, but it's not like a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Respect looks different for different people completely. Mm-hmm. And depending on your faith, how you believe as yourself as a woman, what you stand for, um, introvert, extrovert, the whole game we play. And I, I was talking to another person this morning about the twenties being a shit show, Yeah, which I claim. Oh, I'm with you. I'm like, thank God. Right. (laughs) I feel like I would have had FOMO if my twenties weren't a shit show. (laughs) And she was saying she feels behind because her twenties what did she say? She was like making out with all these people and learning all the lessons. I'm like, well, thank God you learned them now that, and you have the wisdom to have choice now. It's all a learning about ourselves. If you're done learning, you're dead. Mm-hmm. And I think we get so hard on ourselves though, to have it figured out. I do. I would love to have it figured out, but then I think I'd be so bored. Right. Yeah. That's that balance. I'm so controlling. I need to have all the answers. Yeah, I'm curious and want to have adventure because I know that once I get all the answers, though you never will, I'm like, well, that was boring. Like, I need a challenge now. Yeah. Yeah. It like fucks with your head. I'm really curious this idea of having different values um, when you're at work versus when you're at home. I've never heard anyone really talk about it before. How do you, how do you separate the two and, and why are they different? Okay, where I learned this, I worked at Lululemon like all of us did. So I did too. In this bubble. (laughs) And I became Lululemon. And Lululemon has a set of brand values. And I remember trying to fit into that. And there was a moment where I shifted and I tried on my own values. And I saw how they were in relationship with Lululemon's brand values. And I was like, that's interesting. And it took years building my own brand. Honestly, just last year, I took myself on a CEO day. I stayed in a hotel in Boulder, lined with whiteboards. And I started to explore this conversation of personal versus professional values. And the separation is your brand is outward facing. Oh my God, it could be like a sun sign and a moon sign. This is great. Okay. So your brand is like what you offer the world. Uh, your personal brand, your brand brand. 
And it has its own set of values that are being received from other people and also most likely give back to you, hopefully, in this professional realm of your life. We have so many different domains, health, uh, spirituality. You guys talk about sexuality a lot. That could be a whole realm with its own set of values. And so when I started to play with like, Jackie, who are you at work and who are you at home? I'm a very different person that people see speaking on a stage or um, writing content than my husband sees. I love that, by the way. He taught me that. Chris gets to see a part of me that no one else will ever in this world know. And he's told me that too. There's blogs I've written where he has asked me not to post it because some things are sacred. Mm. And I didn't know that. I'll share everything. So I thought... But it does create this beautiful magic between us when there are parts that I open up to him and he opens up to me that I've never told anyone else before. And I find too, with my girlfriends, like we're planning a girl's trip and I already told them, I want to unplug, but where we're going, I know a lot of people and I need to stop by a business. So I said, I'm going to fly in a day early and I'm going to take meetings. And then when y'all get there, I'm done. I'll unplug and I'll totally be here. Because if I have to go into work mode, I'm no longer present to whatever we're talking about, to the fun we're planning, to what's going on. And so I found out that work mode Jackie is different than home Jackie. And I think honoring those differences is where my values came into play to really then be able to ground versus just figure it out as I go. I need tactile tools to get me into work. And I really need tactile tools to close work and be at home. Mm. And uh, I feel like guilty saying that, but it's a practice. No, that's beautiful. What I, what I think about too, is I'm um, like such a boss and in charge and running stuff. And it's like that masculine energy that I'm putting out all the time. And then at home, I want to be in the feminine. I want Connor to take care of me and dote on me. And, you know, just, it's such a different vibe. And even in bed, like, I don't want to bring that masculine, go get her energy in bed. I really want to melt with him. And I think that's one of the things we struggle with, especially when you are a go-getter or if you are controlling or a type A type of person is like, how do I melt back into being this feminine wife and mom and nurturer? How do you bounce back and forth or, or balance the two, I guess? Great question. Who's going to answer it? I know, right? <laughs> it's so true. I would say like I've been for the past seven years trying to cultivate the divine feminine. I know you're about to read Women Who Run With The Wolves. Yes. Get ready. That's a great one for it. Yeah. So is Come As You Are. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because society places in front of us ideals but it gets confusing when you're in the other category. So this year and last year, I became the sole provider for my family. Whereas backtrack 50 years, that was very unheard of. I mean, take out World War II where there was some cool shit going on. But I think women don't play into that realm or haven't because it wasn't socially shown. And now it is. However because it's been masculinized, not male, masculinized, that's like in us, we have both mm -hmm. masculine and feminine. 
it takes me more work to get to the other side because how I've grown up and what I've known and what we've read shows we've watched rarely show you this experience. Ironically, in my high school years, my mom did become the sole provider for a hot minute. And my dad stayed at home with my sister. I have a four, I'm 14 years older than my youngest sister. So it was cool. I saw this shift in gender dynamic, like in my house and I got a glimpse of that. And yet I do think when we are in this masculine space, it does take initiative and effort, which is interesting because feminine is so much about flow. But if you think of a yin yang sign, so you've got the dark side and the white side, each side has a circle in it. And so even though the yin side is dark, it still takes effort. That's that little white circle. And I think that's the permission slip for me to be aggressive about being feminine. And this happens in fit rooms for me when I try on a dress and feel weird. This happens with my partner, like you said, in the bedroom, like who's initiating, which is such a good part of come as you are. And I think it's such a cool practice that I need role models. Like I know that's an eighties term, but I love examples of women who have balanced masculinity and femininity really well. Um, And I still need love stories. You know, my role models are Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Brene, and Oh, that's what's all over your shirt? I did not even realize that. That's amazing. It's a ton of tiny little faces. Yeah, it's it's Ruth. That's amazing. And I love, like, Ruth and Michelle Obama and Brene are my role models right now. They are some powerhouse women voices in the world. And they still talk, like, wax poetic love story about their partners. And um, sometimes I thought that second wave of feminism, you had to be like, burn the bra, don't wear makeup. And I just love this. I was listening to Dolly Parton America and they talked about that third wave. I'm like, that feels cool. Embracing femininity while being a CEO, wearing high heels and having big boobs while, you know, leading board meetings. It was just such a cool permission slip for me listening to that pod. So I think there's a delicate balance that we can get aggressive with. Well, don't you think for so long being feminine meant you were weak? Yes, I definitely said that. Yeah. I know I said that. Totally. And I felt that. I'm like, but if I'm feminine or soft, that equates to weakness. And now I'm like, actually, the softer I get and the more feminine I get, the stronger I am and the more I get what I want. It is such a different space than where I was. But the more I lean into that and make decisions from that feminine energy, I'm like, oh, my life is in flow. Of course, because I've been masculine and trying to force everything when that's not how it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool to hear you say like that leaning into the flow feels strong. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I do read so many of the books that are hot right now. Like uh, who did I just read? Kate Northrup's Do Less. And then I have Woman Code by Alyssa VT. Oh, I Ling. love that one. And like, I remember getting my period and being so ashamed. And that's like such a cool feminine space. And I'm still working on that. I still don't have a good relationship with my period yet. Hence all the books. Yes. And yet how cool to be in a space and to be raising daughters. I think that's why I have daughters. My 
you know, universal lesson for self is to keep raising and learning about women so I can keep learning about myself. Mm. And I have that reflected back to me in a one-year-old and a three-year-old like every day, which is a total mind fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I think about that too, of like, if I had daughters, how much I would be mirrored back myself and how much of a reflection they would be of my own inner turmoil and feelings of lack and all of that. What a gift, but also, holy shit, how hard is that? I'm reading, an, I'm I, as you can tell, I just read books. Yeah, I that's even, all you do. Yeah, do you raise I, your children? No, or? I just read books about them. Um, I come down to Denver with Audible quite a bit. Oh, and yes. then- I am a reader. I watch Cheers on Netflix sometimes. That's it. So I read a lot. Um, And this book said, I just read the intro. It's called The Awakened Family. And it's like the best thing you can do for your children is to continue to evolve and learn about yourself and feel whole and complete. And I was like, okay, is this the intro? Because I'm going to be in trouble with this book. It was so cool. And yes, there will be reflections back. You could probably pause and think about how you reflected back to your own parent. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think my parents still see it, which is cool. And it's, I'm hyper aware of it now. Um, And it's funny too. Like when Chris is annoyed with something, I'll be like, that's me. You're annoyed with the me in her. And she has to learn how to wrangle that energy or she has to learn how to experience um, those highs and those lows as a feeler, just like I did. Mm-hmm. And it might be hard for us who want her to be happy all the time or support and give her boundaries. We also have to be able to let her figure it out. Yeah. What is that like for you when you have an answer or you know what your child should do, but you know that your role is to let them figure it out for themselves? What do you do in those moments? I mean, you learn as you go. Sometimes you control and sometimes you're like, look at me. So chill, letting her figure it out. Pat on my back. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, sort of. (laughs) Evie was walking and she climbed up on this stone thing. And Chris was like, be careful. You got to really have balance there. And of course, you know, she fell. She chipped a tooth. And I was like, we both knew we could have gone and grabbed her, created fear on the side of a mountain. She was fine, but... Um, we also trust her agility and her choices. And she was walking on this like stone space by someone's driveway. And then there was the mountain and yeah, she fell immediately, which intuitively we both knew was going to happen. You could feel it. We we're both like, eh, okay. And you have to allow your ch- kids to have boundaries and learn. If you don't, what's cool that I learned is you're trespassing on their boundaries. If we don't give them space to be, they actually won't have access to their own boundaries because we've been living it for them. And that's going to be a rough road to unravel. That's a lot of therapy. Mm. So so it's been pretty cool to play with that notion of honoring my boundaries while also letting her have her own space and boundaries too. Well, it makes me think of... If you don't trust yourself, then how are you going to trust your kids, right? I mean, preach. Yeah. That's got to be really difficult, though, because, I mean, you're in charge of someone else's life. Well, and, like, she's been on this earth three years. Yeah. So there's <laughs> so much she knows. Seriously. And they're spongy. Like, I, I had to really pause from Disney because all this weird shit was happening. And I was like, mm, no more of that. No more Aladdin. Um, but it was cool. It was 
it's been cool to see, you know, kids mimic and implement and I'll see perhaps the hustler in me reflected in her hustling. And I'm like, Oh no, I need her to play more, which means I need to play more. So it's so cool. And it really, like you were saying, reflects back that masculine energy, that feminine. Um, They did have more exposure to dad last year than they did prior to two years for Evie and then six months for Nora. But um, I think that's been cool to see um, such a beautiful male energy in my partner who is like, you know, on the outside, this bearded flannel athletic man. But I married him because he's so patient and sensitive and soft. I mean, how cool to learn femininity from a male. Mm-hmm. And it's not, again, that he's weak. That's like his superpower, his deep, intuitive connection, his listening. I'm, I'm so inspired by it. And then how cool that my kids get more of it. How have you guys navigated him? Not, I'm, I don't know, maybe he's working, but in a different capacity, but him being at home more and you working and being the sole breadwinner. Yeah. So Chris left his job. Oh my God. A year and four days ago. That's fun. <laughs> I forgot to celebrate it. Okay. We'll do that when I get home. Chris retired from teaching Oh, and it was such a cool place. Um, my career was at a tipping point and Chris came home to support me to say yes to really cool opportunities. And I cannot say it was like a piece of pie. It took a lot of communication, a lot of alignment. Any coaching tool I've ever had was pulled out last year. (laughs) But I would say communication was the key, sharing how we're feeling. Um, Chris did launch his company in November. And I felt in September, like I was his focus. And then he was focusing on something else. And I remember calling my best friend, Matt, and being like, I'm having a hard time with Chris's energy being elsewhere because it was such the stability for us last year as I started to step more and more into my worth. And we've navigated it, I think, with like such peaks and valleys, of course, but in a way that has felt like sitting here today has felt like so teamwork and honest. And like really honest of like, is this working? Will this work? Do do you need to go back to work? Can we make this work? All those questions. And like t- I sit here today on like the other side, feeling very stable in, in my career. And then like you said, how do you make that work at home? Um, Chris is actually literally right now building me an office in a she shed form in the Aww. backyard. Yeah. Yeah, it's a been a dream. I remember Pinteresting she sheds in Venice a million years ago <sighs> and he just laid the foundation down and put down the floor and I'm like standing out there. I'm like, is this real? But again, I can't have my office in the house or young children or if I'm on a Zoom call and I need, again, that separation of values. I need separation of space. I have a co-working space at the Riveter and there's a cool place in uh, Denver opening up called Nurture. I'll be in those places. It's beautiful. Oh God, you're going to love it. It's a co-wellness space. What? One-stop shop for all your wellness acupuncture. Finally. Like a cafe gratitude style inside. You're going to freak out. Oh my God. Yes. I know. I'll tell you more about that. Okay. Um, But like the separation is real of like 
oh, cool. Jackie's, I've literally, we were redoing our living room and my office has been in our bedroom last year. And that is weird because I sleep over there. They turn two bedrooms into one bedroom. Oh, so I sleep over there and then yeah. my office is over here. But sometimes I'd be like moving Chris's flannels on the closet door uh, because I, I want to look professional, of course. Duh. Yeah. I have to look the part, <laughs> but I'm in my bedroom. And so it's been really cool to navigate, you know, the hustle, making it work and then asking, what do I need to feel peaceful, to f- feel supported? And so the she sheds being built, um, Chris is still so available right now for pickup and drop off, um, as his career is so much in the beginning stages and mine's in this really cool stability stage. I think one of the biggest issues that women run into, especially when they are high achievers and do make a good amount of money is that, that it can be intimidating to men. And so then we'll you know, dim our light or we won't want to achieve or we'll be like, fuck men. I don't need them. I'll just do it all on my own. Where is the line for you guys where he is, you know, in his masculine, taking care of things, providing for the family in his own way, but also supporting you as you shine and not feeling less than because of that. Yeah. I think a big shift happened when Chris saw me push a child out of this body. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Chris was like, how in the fuck does anyone not think women are the most badass, stronger part of this population? And we had a really beautiful experience with both of our births, to be honest. But the first one obviously rocks you because it's so fucking hard. And we went all natural. We had a doula for support. Um, We were in the hospital, but there was just something really cool about me moving into this primal space. And I think Chris really, he's light years ahead of men, of man. He's light years ahead. He's looking at the big picture. He's looking at what we put in our bodies. He knows his job of feeding myself, himself, and the children is so important for our longevity of how we enjoy this life together, how we see our children grow up and get married and the space he's creating, like our home, you know, he is a woodworker, tore down a wall, put hardwoods in, is building my office in the back. There's no shortage of man in that man. And I think when you label money as the defier of masculine or men, we're fucked. But when you label it as teamwork and I'm providing in the best way you can right now. I am telling you, he has always been in this place of being able to listen to what's needed now. And so I believe when he steps into that, he does feel really powerful. I like that. Yeah. I want to know you guys have been together since you were 18. No God. I wish. No, I met him at 18. Met at 18. And then we dated way later, but he saw like all these guys totally fuck up through college. It was great. Needed that. That's always important. <laughs> I know. We dated later, like three years after college. Okay. But you've been together for how long? 10 years. Yeah. And I think that it is very difficult for people to make it to 10 years, let alone longer. And there's so many issues in relationship. 
And now with all the apps and the options, and I mean, it's just a whole thing. What has been the key for you guys? And what do you prioritize in your relationship moving forward, knowing that it takes work and there, there is a certain aspect of energy input in order to experience that flow in your relationship? Oh man, this is a great question. What has been the key over 10 years? We've changed so much. I'll go back to the language I shared about communication and I'll unpack it. So 10 years, right? Like I know everybody's doing that flashback thing because we're in a new decade and it is cool to look at my decade with a partner that supported me and loved me. And, um, so much changed when I started dating Chris, um, from like food I put in my body to understanding how to love myself. I can't do it by myself. And I think a lot of times people talk about like date yourself first, know yourself. I think that's very important. I do. And yet when Chris and I fell in love, I became someone different. And he showed me how to love myself and how to stop judging myself for X, Y, Z or where every other guy I ever dated wanted me to fit a certain mold. He was the first person that was like, well, I really like how loud and weird you are. <laughs> and he didn't want me to change. And that was a first. And and perhaps people have experienced that many times over. I never had. And so I believe that reflection of one another and like someone loving it completely was this like insane confidence in myself and, and, and Chris's self too. I think I rolled into Chris's dorm room like a hurricane at 18 and I was loud. I was obnoxious. I didn't know myself at all. I knew myself at 18, but not how I do now. And I think us coming together has just been the coolest mashup of different personalities. And so the key is as you change, can you remember to introduce yourself to the person you're with? As you're going through changes, can you share what you're feeling? Whether it's clear or not on what the change or who you're becoming, can that person be part of it versus separate versus I'll tell you later when I have it figured out. And I think Chris and I have gone through so many evolutions of self, different titles. Uh, I think it's fun to play with boyfriend, fiance. I loved fiance. Really <laughs> like that one. I didn't want that one to go. We were engaged for like a year and a half. That's it was really so cute. fun. Yeah. And then into husband, I want you to know I felt different in every stage. And yes, we lived together. I know a lot of people are like, well, we already lived together. So we just got married. I felt different when we got married, completely different the next day. And same with the title of mom and dad. And we aren't amazing at it always. And I sometimes have to pry into Chris. And there are other times where Chris will say, I need you to call Matt or Mary Beth or Alex or Aaron. Like you have to talk to someone else right now. I have nothing for you. And I don't even know what this is about. And so it is great when he can say, go call this person and then I can come back clear. Mm. And so I would say the continuation of meeting each other in every evolution 
and making sure you're honest about the changes that's going down. Damn, that was so well said. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that before. That was really, really beautiful Thanks. because it's very honest. And I think that is one of the biggest things is you change and you grow and you evolve, but then the other person's not with you or they are like, you're not the person I married. And you're like, but yeah, why would you want to be with the 23 year old version of me? Yikes. <laughs> yeah, no, that means that I'm not doing any growth. But on the flip side of that, a lot of complaints I hear is that people are in that situation and they are growing, but their partner's not. And then what do they do? So it's like, well, I don't want him to change, but my God, he needs to read a personal development book or I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> like that, I feel like that's the situation people are getting in now. How do we handle that? Yeah. I remember I working at Lululemon, I had a lot of development opportunities. I was very, 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 I don't want to say lucky because I put myself in that space, but I was very fortunate to what I was exposed to. I met Brene Brown and shut up. No, I took her into a fit room and dressed her <gasps> to speak at a conference. Lululemon flew me to meet her. Yeah. I would give anything. I know. I, would give anything I will give again. her pants. I, I don't even care. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. She was so great. She's like, talk about vulnerability. I have to come out and show you spandex. I was like, Oh my God, she's like the same person. She's so awesome. Oh, that makes me so happy. I know. I, I, I was very fortunate and I would come home obviously tipped into some type of euphoria or crazy or days of thinking. And Chris is like, where are you? And I'm like, Oh, I'm doing something crazy. And my values work. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Chris sat me down once in our Chicago apartment and he said, I feel like, and he like held his hands out and he held one still and one forward. He goes, I feel like I'm standing still and you're moving forward in your journey. I don't want to do the things you're doing. I don't want to meet Brene. I mean, he probably would, but he's like, I have to do it my own way, but I also, I don't know what to do. And so it's just this honest moment of like, you're surpassing me in your development and you're not really, because I was learning so much so quickly I wasn't sharing with him. And that was a cool aha for us. And the next day, I mean, poor Chris, but I came home with post-it notes and markers. Oh. Let me let me show you what I learned. And it was cool though, because I think Chris realized like, that's not the way I want to learn, but he's glad I shared it with him. He's done a lot of the work I've done. So we have a similar language. Um, before we got married, I lead light year leadership work and Chris went through it with our officiant, who is my best friend, who's also trained in the work. Mm -hmm. And so they had such a cool experience over six weeks so he could see what I like. And I am happy to go fly fishing with Chris, as I would say, that's probably one of his mental development moments, patience, softening river flow. That's so Chris, but I'll go with a book. Right. And I would totally fish with him if he wanted me to, but he's like, do you want to? I don't. And so he's like, cool, but I just want you to be with me. Hmm. And so I take a tent. I took the kids once when they were really young and there's pictures of me like breastfeeding in the river. I was like roaming around and I just fed her and it was so cool for Chris to be like, this is my space. Hmm. So I think again, it comes down to sharing Chris is like, like when I'll do weird stuff, like I had a sound bowl healer at my house last year. Yes. I did like a private session. She has me like cutting cords and karate chopping stuff in the air. And it got like really intense. You know, I'm hyperventilating, crying, letting shit go. Uh -huh. And it was cool. Cause I was telling Chris about it later and what I experienced and what I let go of. And he was part of it. 
there was an attachment with Chris I had to let go of and also an attachment with my dad. And I, so I did some cool sound bowl work and he was like, I love that for you. And I don't want to do that. And I'm like, I, I love that. Cause I totally would have had her back for Chris or done a family session. And I think it's being honest and curious what works for you, what works for me. Chris likes to lift heavy weights and I'm going to go to yin and he'll come with and snore in Shavasana and I'll come with and not do the heavy weights. And it's pretty cool to have your own processes, to be totally separate and then to share what you learned and continue to be in that conversation. But I agree. I think people, one person goes on this journey and it can create a choice. Mm -hmm. We have to wake up and continue to choose. Like every morning I choose Chris. It's a choice. And I'll be like, oh, you're married. You signed a contract. What are you talking about? If that's all there is, a piece of paper, I'm fucked. But if I wake up every morning and look at him and be like, I'm in choice and I choose you every day, we have a different relationship. So that speaks to codependence too. Because as you were talking, I was thinking about when I was younger and I would freak out if I was dating someone and they didn't want to do all the same things as me. And I thought that we were doomed and something was wrong. <laughs> And now I'm like 32 and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that Connor and I don't like to do all the same things. Oh, we do have right. like so much overlap for sure. But there are things that he does like shooting his bow at the bow range for five hours on a Saturday. And I'm like, what are you doing? That sounds really kind of dumb. But, you know, I do things like sound bowl healings or <laughs> working with shamans. And he's like, I like that for you. But I swear to God, if you invite me again, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think codependence is such a, a big theme in so many relationships because it's like, if he doesn't like to do what I do, then that means there's something wrong with me and I have failed. And so we find our worth and our value in our partner. Where did you realize I, I have to separate myself from Chris and Chris from myself and we can have our own lives and then also merge together. Yeah. Remember Jerry Maguire? Yes. You complete me. Oh, worst line in a movie of all the time. Worst but ever. we ate it up. Oh, I ate that shit out oh. of a spoon. I mean. And I probably said it. Oh, for sure. And I think uh, we learned things like that, right? And I thought that was it. I was like, oh my gosh, they're so entwined. I'll tell you though, where did I learn? My teacher, I've studied with her for over a decade now. And I remember, you'll love this language. I remember when she said, when you're codependent or when you're attached, we had a lot of language around attachment versus commitment. Mm. Isn't that okay. good? Yeah. I know, I just write that down. That shit's good. <laughs> and she said, when you're attached to someone, you've actually collapsed a part of your identity or your entire identity identity collapse. Can you deal with the language? I can't either. And I was like, okay, tell me more about this. So, you know, you attach to one another to validate, to feel seen, to belong. Oh God, I fit in everywhere to try to belong. And it's different. Mm -hmm. Renee talks about that fitting in versus belonging, but I could chameleon like you've never seen. <laughs> I supposedly thought I was really good at it. I can't say I was looking back now, but I would just lose all my values and put someone else's on to make other people happy as people pleasers anonymous. And yet that identity collapse, let's go back to boundaries. You actually don't have clarity in your decisions anymore because someone's in your sacred space. Someone is in your sacred space making a decision for you. Someone you dated, 
um, remember best girlfriends in the third grade? You had a oh, BFF yeah. necklace and it was like, what are you doing? I see Evie do it already. What's with the older kids? She was with her cousins over the holidays. She's like, what do you want to do, John? Um, identity collapse. Girl, I did that the other night at dinner. My <laughs> friends all called me out. We, I was with Connor and a bunch of girls and I was like, is anyone else going to have another drink? And my girlfriend, Amy looked at me and she's like, you do you girl. And I was like, you're right. I'm 32 and I'm asking if anyone else is having another drink so I can feel okay having a second glass of wine. What are we doing? I know. No, as it you were. takes us into group think <laughs> the whole thing. I know. I know. So it's really cool though, because if you can check yourself. You Before can, you wreck yourself. Yeah. My favorite meme. <laughs> There's a card that says like, I wish I would have checked myself before I wrecked myself, said the guy who didn't check himself, which I love. Um, and I do, I believe that I wreck myself often, to be honest mm-hmm. with my email. I get collapsed identities with a lot of my close friends. It's just, it's, it's, it's a natural thing to want to be connected as humans, but I think we can go too far. Yeah. And so I love that. Cause I was asking like, who's up in my sacred space, right? Cause if someone's there, you can't make a clear yes or no. And the who could be a person, place or thing. So Lululemon got up in my sacred space for a whole year, which it wasn't their fault. I let them in. Um, I obviously had many boyfriends up in there. Oh God, I go all day about that. Um, I had women there, you know, other women making decisions, look at her life. Maybe that's better. Things like that. Comparison's a thief because people get in your sacred space. And so when we identity collapse, we get dependent on other people. Who else wants a drink? I won't have one unless you do. And I think it's really cool to be in that space of knowing you can be close to someone and still be whole and complete and they'll love you fully. Um, so much what I experienced falling in love with Chris, so much what I've experienced in the later part of my life, falling in love with my, my women friends that I blocked for a long time. Um, I think that's, that's probably a whole nother podcast, but I blocked a lot of women, I think because I lost myself so often and I did get burned. And so I would block other women or I was scared or insecure and this space of cultivating that inquiry, am I clear? Are my boundaries in place? Can I make a decision for myself and trust myself fully? Because it's not someone else saying yes to, it's just me. Mm. And I think that is a power move. It was a power move to allow your identity to be yours and mine to be mine. Mm-hmm. I think something that feeds in this too, and this is something I'm still working on because I definitely have insecurities around this, is not making your partner your everything and oh, being yeah. upset when you're not their everything. And especially if you keep saying you have a best friend named Chris, is that a man? Oh, Chris is my husband. Oh, I mean, um, no, Matt, sorry. Oh yeah, Matt's Matt. a man. So Matt's a man. Um, and so it's like, Chris isn't your everything. Matt's a guy. You have separate relationships with men, women, the whole thing. And that's where I get caught up sometimes. Connor's best friend is a girl and I had a really hard time with it in the beginning and now she's become my really good friend and I don't even think about it. And I don't even know how to ask a question around this, but I'm just in my head thinking of my own insecurities and how I spiral when I'm like, oh, Connor's going and doing something fun with other people. That means I'm not fun enough. That means he doesn't like hanging out with me. That means I have failed. Or he's hanging out with another girl. He's talking to her about intimate things. And now he doesn't want to be with me and our relationship is doomed. 
That's what my head does. Yeah. Oh my God. It's Isn't my mind just a gnarly place to be? It is. I know I have about 87 critics that live up there. I've got other nice people too, but man, there's a lot of critics up there. Mm-hmm. Like critics that like spin those stories. Yes. You're like, where did that even come from? I do it too. Mm-hmm. I do it too. Um, uh, Chris is like the most loyal human. And I'll be like, what? Who, what's he, who's he texting? Like his two guy friends about golf. Yeah. And even like, that's the thing that's so interesting about like dependency and making sure you feel validated. Some of the stuff, if not 80% for me is made up in my own head. I'm not fun. Oh, not sexy anymore. Oh, I'm too masculine, whatever it may be. I, I like you. I have Matt, who is my best friend is gay. So that makes it really easy. Doesn't that always help? Really easy. It does help. (laughs) But when Chris and I met, I did have a best friend named Chris. Oh yeah. I, I had a lot of Chris's in my life, to be honest. It was like a thing. Anyways, what was cool is I always had great guy friends and it really affected my relationship with my boyfriends. And so when Chris came into my life, um, the other Chris, we'll call him, loved boyfriend Chris and they became friends. And it was the coolest experience for me because for my whole life, everyone hated me having guy friends. And Chris was like, that's cool. I was like, are you kidding me? It's cool. And I just thought that was so like literally neat. I'm like, that's neat. Like, what if I trusted like that? Like Chris trusted me. I didn't even, I I didn't trust myself. Like Chris trusted me. Does that make sense? Yeah. I had way, I have way too many stories Mm -hmm. about not trusting myself or screwing things up. And when he was like, that's cool. I was like, wow. Like I don't even, like I say, he's always been ahead of the times, my times for sure. And I would say though, that when you like speaking of like, uh, different friendships, not being someone's everything. I think it's such a gift to have a great girlfriend or a great guy friend that you can explore with perhaps vent. I think venting is a form of expression as long as we don't stay there. Oh, it's so healthy. It's so healthy to not feel alone, feeling like I'm a shitty parent. I'm a shitty girlfriend, whatever it may be. And someone else feeling the same and then actually getting to the other side of it. I think a lot of times people don't get to their side. So it gets a little tricky. I've stayed in vent mode for like a year. It didn't work out well for me. But in regards to not being someone's everything, how cool to then explore how dynamic your partner is and then ask how dynamic you are. And I have this with my, my best friend, Mary Beth is also my business partner. And this has been one of the most, I would say the other big relationship that shaped me. Um, I don't know why. I mean, we both are very big energies and we're both very comparative and we'll have moments of like, I'm doing that thing where I compare myself to you and it's not going well. And we'll have to have like come to Jesus moments, if you will, of like, you're doing great. And so am I, or I love you and you're just having a hard time, whatever it may be. But until we bring it up, it's like two months of shit. Mm -hmm. And so this could be with your partner. This could be with your best friends, but how cool to be like curious about what they like and then trusting and letting them go learning about themselves and finding a way to feel a part of it if you're not there. So what did they experience when they come back? This goes back to the communication. I I mean, there's no such thing. My teacher said, there's no such thing as over communication, which I think a lot of 
men might disagree with me. Yeah. Connor's like, can you please stop processing out loud? Oh man, I process too. Sorry. Um, and how cool though, if it's not him to process with someone else and then share, you know, with him. And I think we have to be curious about what our people are interested in. I know in my 10 years of relationship with Chris, we've had moments where I've said to him, I can't be your everything. You have to make friends. You have to go to something different. And he said the same to me. I can't be your everything. I need you to go for a run or I need you to go out with your friends. It's too much pressure. It is. It's too much pressure to be someone's everything. And you're setting them up for failure because they cannot be <gasps> your everything. Preach. Yeah. And that's, that's mean. exactly it. That's mean. <laughs> yeah. It takes us a while to get there mm-hmm. again and again and again. Yeah. Because we change. The things that worked for you last year might not work for you this year, but I couldn't agree more with you on the pressure it creates on the relationship that will eventually implode if you don't have creative outlets that make you happy that aren't one person. Yeah. I mean, that has saved our relationship because all I was doing was processing with him and, you know, he's a coach, so he's very good at that. And I almost wanted him to coach me and Mm. that's not fair. He's like, I want to be a coach and work with clients and I don't want you to be my client and I can't handle this anymore. He asked me to go to therapy and he asked me to talk to someone else. And then when I talked to our somatic therapist that we already work with and I told her like, he doesn't want to talk things out with me and blah, blah, blah. And he, it feels like he's not attracted to me and we're not having sex. And she's like, stop processing with him. It's too much. She's like, you have friends, you have me. I know you have an incredible support system. You don't need to go to him. Like you talk to him once you've talked it out. If you need him in the moment, of course, but you can't do this all the time. It's not sexy. And I was like, Oh fuck. I know. Like that makes so much sense. But you look at your person, you're like, Oh my God, but they love me so much. And I love them. And I'm just going to work through everything with them. And it's like, yeah, but that's not their job. Yeah. It's just not their job. I remember a very distinct moment in the kitchen and Chris said, listen, I really don't need coach Jackie right now. I need my wife. And I literally had to walk out of the house and walk back in so that I could change modes. Cause I do have so many tools and I love helping people and I do love him so much. And you're right. It's not sexy. If he didn't hire me, there's no energetic exchange. And it's cool. There's been times where he has asked for coach Jackie. Can I get some of your language on this? But more often than not, he wants his wife mm-hmm. and it is a slippery slope for sure. But it's so interesting. Remember those conversations when you were a teenager and you'd be like, why do you like me? Yes. Do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> yes. yes. And I don't say that anymore to Chris, but I do think it's smart to say, how can I best support you in your life right now in our relationship? what is it that you love about me this year today? And so there's a cool communication on who you get to be for one another. And then you could even say like, who do you not want me to be? It's kind of cool to be like, I don't want you to be one of my guy friends. I don't want to watch hockey and football right now. I used to be like, and I, sorry if I sold that Chris to in our marriage, I used to love the idea of hosting people for football and watching hockey with Chris in the basement it was fun for a while. My brain has no desire this year. Like I've tried and I just don't like it right now. Football, maybe I was watching the other day and I was like, Oh, am I coming back into this? But (laughs) hockey, I just, I didn't grow up with it. I don't get it. I can't understand who the players are. It's really hard for me. Mm -hmm. And so 
I've had to say like, I, I, I know I've promised that in our wedding vows that I'd watch hockey with you. Did you really? Oh yeah. Oh, that's really cute. Oh, it's crazy. I said, I'll watch the Blackhawks with you in this huge black hawk <gasps> from the mountain. It was like, everybody freaked out. It was awesome. Um, we wow. didn't see it. We were so like in it, but everybody was like gasping and Chris and I were like, what's going on? And they have a video or they have a photo of the hawk. It's so crazy. That's awesome. But yeah, I kind of asked like, and listen, we have our five-year anniversary in June. And I asked him the other day, I said, would you be open to renewing our vows? And we're going to do um, a cool photo shoot with our kids in mm. it. And I said, because we're our best friends, a photographer. And I said, like, while we're in the gear, would you like to renew our vows? I don't think I like mine anymore. I just, I was so rushed and I was nervous and I'd like to rewrite them now with children and I'm turning 36 and my body and my mind has changed and I'd like to rewrite my vows. He said, I would marry you again for sure. I was like, okay, let's do it. Mm. So like your vows don't have to be a one chance dance. You get to do them over if you want. And it doesn't have to be from a place of like remarriage or, oh, we fucked it up. It can be like, well, let's try some new language to step into. So I'm pretty stoked on that. That's really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, we just decided it last week. I don't know what it looked like, but. That's so fun. And I love it. the idea of having kids involved. That's I know sweet. they're so cute and yeah. wild, but like renewing your vows with children. I mean, I feel like that's going to be like one of the smartest things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. And to your point, I don't like my vows anymore. They're not I who don't. I am in this moment. And that's beautiful. Yeah. I'll tell you the truth. Chris's were better than mine. Really? And I get so mad about I it. I feel like Connor's are going to be better than mine because he holds back on his words, but he's such a, like a wordsmith and he makes me melt when he puts the effort in. I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to lose it. <sighs> Although I shouldn't put those expectations out there because then I feel like I'll be like, no, down. he'll deliver. <laughs> he totally will. And so did Chris. He yeah. like went and took time by himself and sat by a river mm-hmm. and I was I still, I'm like, I want to do that. So I'm going to, why would I not? Yes. Yeah. The last thing I want to ask you about, because you mentioned this and Emily Schramm was over yesterday interviewing with Connor and we love her so much, but you said something about falling in love with your girlfriends and Emily talked a lot about, you know, she's open bisexually and and how that has um, impacted her life. But what I liked about what she said was really longing for that feminine connection and wanting to be held by a woman, wanting to be in the space of a woman, needing those feelings that men don't provide because that's not what they're there to provide. And you mentioned falling in love with your girlfriends. And that's something that I struggled with for a long time. I was bullied by girls growing up. So I was like, fuck this. I'm only going to be friends with men. And then I only worked with men in television. And it was this whole thing. And when I quit my job, I was like, I need feminine energy. Like if I am not with women, I'm going to die. I felt like my insides were dying. And you said that and I, that hit, that struck a chord with me. And I thought, wow, isn't that amazing that we can fall in love with our girlfriends and have this sacred feminine connection that you don't have with men. What has that felt like for you? It's so weird. I, did we have the same life? Just checking. Yeah, I know it's crazy. We do align a lot. I had the same thing. I'm only friends with dudes, like starting pretty much in eighth grade through college. I missed out on some great women. Mm-hmm. I know who they are too. And I worked in Hollywood as well. Uh, there were two, excuse me, three women in my office and the rest were men in an agency. And it's so funny. I 
I never post that my goal hikes are women only, but only women show up. And my co-founded business with a woman, which was a cool thing for me, we had like dudes on our first retreat. And then our second retreat had one dude, which lucky dude, those yeah. ladies were awesome. <laughs> and he was like in his like late forties. I, I think he felt awesome. So and then our next one was women only. And we actually then declared we're women only. And it's just been interesting. And then I've had daughters, like I've been shoved literally into women's circles now. And I, in reflection, recognize that all the stuff is true. When it's only women, different conversations take place. Different energy is available. Um, how cool that our periods sink when we hang out. Yes. I just think that's crazy. And there is a deep feminine connection that I feel like is the only way I started to learn about being feminine was by having women friends. So there's no, I can't read feminine books. You know, I, I tried, you know, I tried. Mm -hmm. And even like my best friend, Mary Beth, who is like, she'll, you'll meet her and she's like a mermaid. She's blonde, very feminine dresses, the whole nine. And the first time I went over to Mary Beth's house, she was dating her now husband. I had a Vespa helmet and I didn't take it off. What? These things are huge. I, this wasn't like the little like dumb and dumber helmet. This had the glass thing <laughs> that came up and down and it was full here and I left it on. I was so scared of her women still. I left my helmet on the wow. whole time. I was pretty stoked on the helmet too, but like, no come one on, that's said anything weird. To you? She's like, do you want to take this off? I just lifted the glass up. I was like, no. <laughs> she found a picture last week. I'll show it to you. It's so stupid, but baby steps, I, tiny, even walking to her home. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say again, this like curiosity of self, this inquiry, like when Chris started to love me, I saw different ways to love myself. When like Mary Beth was like, let's start a business together. I was like me, you, you want to start a business with, with me? Are you sure? And you know, we actually have a whole story about blocking one another and ego and all these things. And it's funny because in reflection, like I've had like some people that made it through like three girlfriends. I talked to one this morning. I have two girlfriends at college that somehow stood by my side. And I look at who they've been and why, like the two from college, they're like, for a while, we're like, we don't set goals. And I was just like shitting goals. So what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and it was so cool. This was, I think with women, how I learned the biggest understanding of like, you can be you and I can be me and we can still be best friends. My best friend, Alex is like a travel agent and loves to travel the world and um, be at home by four on Sunday in her red couch to watch all the TV like the whole day she could do it. And I would rather die to be honest and watch TV all day. That sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool that I have to honor her boundary of 4 PM in the red couch, you know, yeah, for reality TV. I love that for her. And I think that's where I started. Like you asked earlier to recognize like unique gifts, mm -hmm. uniqueness. And when you're surrounded by 
like-minded people, it's obviously awesome, but what about unlike-minded people? That's like the books I've been reading to my child. One of the pages is like, find people that look like you, that like to do what you do. And the next page is like, find people that don't look like you. That's good. And do different things. And they have like this whole diversity crowd with art and stuff they're doing. And then like a bunch of girls playing soccer. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, I, I need this book. So I would say the falling in love with women has been an unraveling of an old pattern and old self that died. Well, and I feel that the more I fall in love with other women, the more I am accepting of all of their quirks and all the different versions of them, which then allows me to fall in love with myself and my own quirks and all the different versions of myself without judgment. And it shifts the lens at which you see yourself because you're like, wow, I have this capacity to love this other person. I think they're so amazing. And then you see yourself in that feminine so differently. It's just, it's opened me so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like we've been taught that from partnership, right? I remember so much validation from a boy liking you or, um, being in a committed relationship. Um, obviously that's, that's dated language, a boy liking you because it could be heterosexual or homosexual. But growing up, that wasn't super available language in Texas where I was a million years ago. And I feel like I did look for so much of those love lessons from a romantic partner. And when I really go back in time, like seventh grade, third grade, there were women that stood by my side me and Nikki and Allie had the Lisa Frank sticker club. Oh yes. And Julie and I listened to this really cool music and, um, they like forced me to stay the night cause I was scared to sleep over at people's houses one time. And then I was fine. And there have been so many women, I think that similar to the story I share about Chris, where when he started loving me, I started loving myself. I had that. I just never chose to see it from other women that were like, you're amazing. Or this is what you've done. Do you see it? And you're like, Oh, that's what girlfriends do. Like we get into this space that like, you'll only learn this from marriage or partnership, da, 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 da. And how beautiful to prove it differently. And I think that goes back to what you talked about with codependency, where there's just too many great people to be codependent on one. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. You're so full of freaking wisdom and knowledge. And I just, I love learning from you. Seriously. I listened to your podcast with Connor twice. I was like, this is just, it's so good. And I love the way you talk about these different versions of yourself and the evolution. And you're not afraid to admit like I fucked up here. I didn't do this. I didn't like this. And now I'm changed. And it's just a, it's a beautiful acceptance of yourself. And I feel like that just gives all of us permission to have that same experience. So thank you. Oh my God. You and Connor, I I always get nervous coming here. I'm like, God, they get real. I mean, I get real, but they get really real. Am I ready? I had to mentally prepare coming down, which is such a, I think a kudos to y'all. Thanks. How cool to be so real and human. Thank so you. Thank well, you. when we corner you in our podcast studio in our house, it's like, <laughs> you must be real. <laughs> it is. It is. This is like the real room. You walk in and it's like all your layers shed. You're yeah. like, okay, here we go. Ooh, I'm going to use that. I yeah, like borrow. that very much. Thank you. 
Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.